on earth to hide I, this was a, a remake wasn't it from a, an old black and white uh, kind of B movie one 1953 Invaders from Mars I remember watching this uh, when it was like on stupid clock in the morning well I was still in high school it was in I would choose to stay up late and stick my earphones in my, my wee telly so my mum couldn't hear me staying up to watch the telly I and only then, did that when I was watching porn <laughs> like channel 5 porn. well uh, and it was, it was Invaders from Mars, I remember watching in black and white when they, they walked over the wee kind of fake like, <laughs> set hill and then come back again. But uh, So this one is a more up-to-date version, but even then it was still a bit... Shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the screenplay was by Dan O'Bannon, who wrote the screenplay for Alien. And when you compare this to Alien, <laughs> there's really no comparison. It is fucking dreadful. Uh, he also wrote and directed Return of the Living Dead, which is one of my favourite zombie films. Uh-huh. I know you'll be, you won't agree no, with well, that. No, well, did he, was that the guy who worked with George Romero in Night Living Dead then, originally? Because uh, there's a story about that. Oh, no, Dan O'Bannon. Yeah, yeah it is. they worked together and then they had a fallout or something. So O'Bannon owns the rights to Living Dead and Romero owns, uh, like, of the, the, of, of the yeah. Dead. Which is, I guess, it's, when you get that, it's quite petty when you look at legalities like that, but I guess I suppose it stops money for getting... I'd rather be a solid guy, because George Romero made fucking zero pounds <laughs> on... on I, know, I know, yeah, I know. <laughs> and the special effects are by Stan Winston, who done like Jurassic Park 1, 2 and 3, and Terminator, and Aliens. Hmm. 
who is the guy responsible for signing off on that extremely long swooshing opening credit scene that was fucking ridiculous even his sound effects and everything that literally went on for like two and a half minutes which felt like fucking ten when I was watching it I don't even I don't even remember the, <laughs> the opening credits oh, man. I think the rest of the movie just pushed all that out and filled my head with more shit so you start off after this swooshing goes you start to find a, a father and son lying out in the in the uh, garden watching a, a, a meteor show uh, there's way too much light pollution around them for them to see anything in the sky, <laughs> let alone meters, so I'm already out. <laughs> um, Did they know about light pollution in the 80s? They, uh, no, they didn't know. <laughs> okay. They were, they were silly. Um, so the mum comes out and says, right, time to go to bed. And the wee boy's like, oh, how come? And then she says, how do you expect me to grow, to grow up to be an astronaut if you don't let me stay up late? Because everybody knows the main ingredient to become an astronaut is staying up through the night and having minimal sleep. <laughs> Which... By that theory, I would be, make a fucking brilliant astronaut. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and then the alien ship comes down. Is that just after that? Yep, just after that. And it that. looks like a little turd. <laughs> it just looks like a little shit coming from the sky. And then we get the worst scared acting I've ever seen when the wee boy runs up the corridor to get his mum and dad. He goes, That's exactly what I do when I'm scared. <laughs> do you know, his mum is actually, she's in this movie, she's Mother of Firefly. From House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, right. she plays a nurse. That's his actual mother. Oh, is that how the nurse? So it is. So it is. Karen Black. That is right. That is 100% who that is. There you go. Because I wasn't entirely sure if she was hot all the way through it. She wasn't. No, but... No, not at all. Uh, so then uh, the boy says, you need to go and have a look. The dad goes over the hill to see what, what the commotion was and comes back uh, in a kind of daze or a trance saying, oh, no, not his nice leather slippers. He's lost his slipper. <laughs> so then he goes to school. And uh, Nurse Ratchet from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is the teacher and she is th- giving out freshly caught frogs for them to dissect, to which they then casually throw them about the, the room. And it always annoys me in scenes, like even maybe if it's written on purpose, but it always annoys me. One of the wee boys throws the frog at the girl sitting next to her main character. Their main character, David, picks the frog up and throws it back. Mm-hmm. He gets caught throwing it. But she totally just... The teacher's like... Maybe that he's the only person she's seen, maybe. But we've seen that he wasn't fully to blame, but he gets the full trouble for I've it. Also, got the, she says, this might be the way you behave in the house, but this is not the way you behave in my classroom. And I thought, that boy should probably lash out, because if he lives in a house where people are just fucking throwing frogs <laughs> at him, that's a very violent domestic situation. So he should be able to lash out. I think so. Mm. Um, so basically, when I get to end, I just say that, that teacher's a bit... Yeah, all teachers are boots, yeah. especially the ones you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, does it then go to George and Ed in the bushes? The two guys that come out of the bush. Is this the cops? No. Or is this the dad and the dad and the dad's friend or the works of the telecom company? Is it or is it the policeman? Can't remember. George and Ed. I've wrote down their names. They come out like she goes out looking for them and they come out of the bushes. I was like, what the fuck are they doing <laughs> in the bushes? And then it turns out that they're all aliens, not bushfuckers. Yeah. And I wrote that down. Not bushfuckers. Just to remind <laughs> yeah, myself later. You make sure of these things. Um, aye, no, fuck, there's my note there. Aye, how many people are aliens at this point? Is it just the dad and then the cops arrive because uh, the dad's missing and then... Yeah, so it's the cops that come out of the yeah, bushes. Cops, right. So, so now we know George and Ed are policemen. Yep. Okay, dad, dad's <laughs> pal, two cops, all aliens. Cool. Um, and then uh, the dad says to the to system, we'll take a walk after you do the dishes. And I was like, say it with confidence and it'll work because she, she says, if I do the dishes, but then she does them. So I'm going to do that with Lon, for now. I can't wait till you do it and I really, I want you to text me an update <laughs> from the minute you say it and then 
like kind of every five minutes afterwards until you ask me if you can come over and stay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be my text you. I'll be getting forced to do dishes and my hands will be in the sink. Well, what's your next note? Well, why don't they walk the kid over the hill? They, 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 they want them to, but the kid's just too smart for aliens. Kid's curiosity. Adults just go and have a look. Oh, it must be something normal. Kids are like, no, something weird. Is they had to explain why the kid didn't get dragged over the hill mm-hmm. and made into an alien. But it says a lot about us, because would, would you go over the hill and check it out? Yeah. Or would you be quite curious and think it was aliens as well? Well, see, the thing is, though, because my survivalist instinct that makes me uh, not go to die or makes me survive... Uh, an, if you do that thing with Lauren later, your survivalist <laughs> instinct is zero. <laughs> it's it's known when not to investigate, you know? You, mm-hmm. If you see something mental happens, you need to um, run away from it and then wait and see. That's what I would do. So I would let everybody else be aliens and then I would just, like, jump down. What happens, but then when everybody's an alien except you... Do you what? just become an alien just to I'm get involved? I'm living in the woods and... Uh, really? Surviving. Yeah. I'd, just, I'd just go over the hill. It's about just alien just, me. Just, just alien me. Just do it. Might as well. Everybody else is an alien, so fuck it. I'm missing out. Then we see Nurse Ratchet just casually eating frogs. Now, I keep calling her Nurse Ratchet, but it's the, the teacher, because that'll get confusing, because one of our main characters later on is a nurse. Um, to which David runs away, and then just... Uh, just some wee lassie just shows up out of nowhere to shout at him. So I'm thinking, is she an alien? Was oh, that the wee bitchy, like, yeah. the proper wee bitch? Yeah, just yeah. came out of nowhere. I hope she's an alien. Uh, the next note I've got is a sexy neck she's got there. I don't know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I have no idea. Absolutely not a clue. Is it maybe you're talking oh, about the nurse? Yeah, he's went to the nurse. He's figured out that there's something wrong with their necks if they're aliens. <clears> and she, he asked to see the nurse's neck before he rolled confide in her. But he seems really spaced out. Like, I don't know if he's just got no enthusiasm or no acting I'm, skills. I know exactly why. Because just before that, when his dad comes in and takes his big bowl of coins when he's in the room, remember that? He's yeah, lying yeah. in bed. I wrote down, at that age, I'd probably rather he just raped me <laughs> than take the coins. Because he comes in and you think, dad's going to rape the boy. <laughs> Obviously not from the Invaders from Mars, but if I was watching it as a if different you, movie... If you watched a different movie... <laughs> I'd be convinced he was going to rape him. But... He then took the coins. I was like, if I was at that age, I had spent months saving up coins for most likely a Red Power Ranger doll. I'm getting that doll, so I'd rather he just rape me. Again, just get it over with. So maybe then that's why he's now going to the nurse and he's thinking, my coins are all gone. I'd rather have just took one in the nurse. (laughs) Or however kids think. Right, so... We then he's telling he's telling the the nurse the story about how these aliens have got things in their neck. So she goes and speaks to the teacher who has got a plaster on her neck and the teacher says it's a boil. Now that's perfectly plausible at this stage in an adult's perception of this, but mm-hmm. the nurse believes it. One wee plaster and the wee boy's story of aliens checks out. <laughs> so anyway, she tells him to run out the run out the window and go uh, to her house. She gives him a key to her house. You know, here yeah, I here so kid. Totally creepy. <laughs> but she says it did weird. Four, two, six, West Royal. Like, who the fuck's aliens here? Like, <laughs> like it was just really, they're just, I don't know, terrible, terrible. He then hides in a van. The pedo van! A, a van that's just sitting where it's door open. Everybody knows, in a playground, don't go into <laughs> the van with the open door. Avoid the open door van. Like, there was there was so many ways he could have got away from the two people who were maybe looking for him, who were, like, nowhere near him, and he fucking backed away into the, into the fucking van. When we went skating... Two weeks ago, before Bobby and Jordine got there, I was sitting in a camper van and there was just loads of kids scooting about <laughs> and I was there for like 10 minutes. And I was like, when do you cross the line where you are the creepy pedo in the van? <laughs> or when are you just waiting for your friends? 
turns out three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> three minutes is the line. Uh, right, so um, it turns out that this is the teacher's van, and she drives to a quite an elaborate anthill system that's been managed to build really quickly in the kind of hills of behind Davy's house. Yeah. And they walk in, and it's like the GBX. There's a proper rave with disco lights and <laughs> flashing everywhere as they go in. And then we see the leader. Yep. Crying from the turtles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> crying. At that point, do we see the other aliens? Uh, I don't know if we see them yet, but we see the teacher just shout vowels at them. <laughs> Remember that? Just like A E I O U. You're like. I'm actually convinced now that she was an alien. <laughs> just in general, <laughs> yep, yeah, absolutely. So they have all the technologies available to do everything that we've seen so far, but they can't catch a wee boy. Mm-hmm. Like he runs away, he gets seen inside the, the tunnels, but he still manages to run away. But the aliens aren't really built for quick mobility. What are they built for? Looking like giant testicles. We must have seen them at this point. I think they have. I think they've come out as he runs away, yeah. yeah. They just look like balls on like, tiny little legs. With big massive, big massive mouths. Have you ever seen the Langoliers? That's uh-huh. the King movie. They're like that. With with only things with, in the plane. Yeah, yeah. Only with feet and no no visible reason why they have developed space travel they to the level look, that they look all veiny. All they're missing is a wee sprinkle on the pubes. They look exactly like my balls. <laughs> <laughs> Black is that? Yeah. <laughs> right, so Rick, what have I got next? Um, so now the nurses again believe in the story when she says the line, You're not just a crazy child, are you? And I'm like, who's the worst actor here, David or the nurse? Like, I, I don't get it. Uh, my vote would be for the two policemen. Because <laughs> their acting is horrendous. Did you notice when, in the next scene, when the car's driving, she's driving back, it must be to the nurse's house, I think, and she's driving back to figure out what to do next, and she's coming down the street, and there's a boy on a skateboard, there's like an extra or something, he's going across the road. He's very fucking close to that car. I was like, what? that was so unnecessary and dangerous that. looking. Like, I just <laughs> caught my eye. I was just like, that's... There was no need for that to happen that way. That's adult Scott kicking in. I know, that is some two cents though. <laughs> At this point, has she tried to phone the police when um, the aliens are yeah. all coming? Why does she have the state police phone number on the back of her hand? Why was she that, that, why was she that prepared? <laughs> and then when they're not answering, she goes, I'll phone the FBI. And she looks at the same hand and phones again. <laughs> what number has she got in her Surely hand? Surely just 911 should do it all, no? They get like a way to transfer no, you through. because <laughs> she's dialing way more than 911. <laughs> So she's obviously preempted this with an emergency contact hand. Well, you know, just always be prepared. That is the scout model. How many phone numbers have you got written in the back of your hand right now? Right now, um, none. I, well, I've just showered, so they they kind of washed off. <laughs> <laughs> so again, there's no urgency whatsoever in the the wee boy's acting. I don't know which scene he's just fucking about in, but they go into somewhere. I don't know where they are, but they go through a door, and then they've wandered into a nightmare on Elm Street. You can recall that? Did they, no. they maybe go to the school and they walk through a door and then they're in a boiler room? Like, it's all red and they're downstairs. Oh, yeah, and they're, yeah, I do. What the fucking hell are these? And they're not just in the, the, the kind of, the control room of the ship or whatever that is underneath the It's hill. the set of an 8 million street yeah. that just used. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, I so then we find out that the nurse's character is actually terrible. She's playing, like, she's becomes to play the helpless wo- woman needing the help of the hero, but our hero is like a, an 11-year-old boy it is so strange looking that she's begging him for help, screaming her head off and cuddling into him. The little boy with very little emotion. Yeah. And then my next um, note is they look like they could bang <laughs> when, they're, when they're hugging each other. It's like the mother-son real-life relationship look <laughs> like they could bang. That's just standard. Uh, so yeah, they're in the ship and then we see the, I think we see the mechanism that created all the tunnels. It burst through the floor mm-hmm. and it's really just a big massive penis. 
Yeah. Everything about the ship and the aliens are phallic. It's just, just all dicks phallic symbols. Yeah. Hey, what she's horny shit? <laughs> Even for her son. <laughs> <laughs> Even for a wee boy. So then I think we go, then he just wants to go and visit the army uh-huh. who are working with NASA who are very close by um, to all this happening. We see two boys in jumpsuits, orange jumpsuits, getting with metal detectors. So they're doing a really terrible job of, you know, like surveying the whole area. They just walk in a straight diagonal line across. Then they get sucked under the ship. Then they get we transpire we're in the army uh, offices mm-hmm. and the two boys in orange jumpsuits get brought in and transpires that they are aliens who pull guns on office uh, Sergeant Smith or whatever the uh, general's name was. General Wilson. General Wilson. Uh, but we're lucky that Chuck Norris was there to punch the guns out of both of those guys' hands. <laughs> just comes out of nowhere and just punches both of the guys out. We should say that it's not Chuck Norris. <laughs> no, yes, it's actually Chuck Norris. In General Wilson's Frank from Return of the Living Dead, played by James Caron, and he's the probably the only good actor in this movie. Or his performance is the only... Yeah. Is I mean, it not? <laughs> well, I was going to say the dad's probably slightly comical in his depiction of being an alien but then they don't really have a lot to work with so it, it depends if you think it's good or if it's rubbish because it really fits in both cat, cat, yeah, yeah, uh, categories um, so I think I'm skipping a lot because I watched this over kind of two nights uh, I watched the end of it this morning and um, after night shift and there's a scene where the aliens are rigging up a big liquid oxygen tank with what looks like explosion uh, explosives so they're going to drive into a spaceship mm-hmm. a rocket ship an Earth rocket ship, which I'm guessing they were planning to use to blow up Mars or something because that must be why the aliens don't want it to go off. So this truck is just driving itself towards the, the rocket ship. They are looking at both uh, real footage and a kind of, it's not digital, it's well, an analogue monitor screen of wee lines of the rocket ship shapes mm. and then green like 3D lines of what the truck should be drive into the, the, the deep, screen deep, as if deep. this computer program can map out the shape of this truck <laughs> to which then when it hits and explodes the weed lines making up the pictures explode as well <laughs> I'm like that's just fucking shit <laughs> um, the next note I've got is a, 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 a quote marines have no qualms about killing martians <laughs> It's actually that's actually the Marines motto. <laughs> yes, that's it. There's Semper Fi and there is they've no qualms to destroy Martians. Right, you know how the whole scene at the end where they're going through all the tunnels, it's kinda Starship Troopers? Yep. Remember that for when we get to the uh Cape Corner at the end. And you guys okay. listen as well, if you've seen Invaders from Mars or if you've seen Starship Troopers, underground tunnels, anthill kind of tunnels of aliens is is what you'd imagine. So who would volunteer for the first down the Martian hole job? Because when we look at them, there's one guy halfway down the hole and everybody else standing at the back because I would not be that guy. I don't know. It depends. Probably wouldn't be either, to be honest. So they, they go down, right? They go down the uh, the hole and uh, I don't know, Wee Davy starts wanting to talk to them now. I was just, just nuke them. Like, just kill your Martian mum and dad. There's no one left to report the shell services when you're going banging the nurse. So just let your mum and dad go. Let everybody else go. Is that a social commentary though? That David wants to speak to the aliens and strike up a, a conversation whereas the army just want to blow the fuck out of them? Yeah, well that's a point that I will got to bring up in the next movie that's that's I think I think it's quite a clever thing that I've noticed, but we'll get to that when we get to Mars Attacks. Mm-hmm. But in this one, there's always that numb nut scientist that doesn't see the threat. Two testicle aliens right. comes out and he walks up to talk to them. They're like, <laughs> just I mean, fuck. But then he says he's from a uh, SETI. 
the SETI, uh, Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. I didn't know it existed back then. I thought that was a relatively new thing. Didn't even know it existed. Well, see, this is rabbit holes, Liam. Rabbit holes, <laughs> you get down them. Right. Then David called the head alien a dick brain. And that's when it all came round to me where I thought, they've deliberately made them look like dicks. <laughs> like, it's, not, it's not accidental. No. We're now pessimistic or sardonic as are looking back going, yeah, they look like dicks. They were genuinely made to look like penises yep. in a kids' alien film. Uh, yep, it was 100%. Fair play, fair play, Toby Hooper. So then they, they find themselves into what would be the kind of hub of this alien labyrinth. And you've got the guy Chuck Norris, we called Chuck Norris before, is on a table face down. He's about to become an alien implant. They push this needle and then implant into his neck. That thing is so fucking long. That would have been out in front of his face. That would come out of his mouth. There's no way that that's implanted the way it is. It's just bad physics. <laughs> Then we've got the usual kind of shit. The nurse ends up on the table getting ready to be thinking because she won't fucking move fast enough. Just, just like slowing down. When they're running through, they've got to nuke the tunnels and she's moving as slow as fuck. And then we get to a point where they... I don't... I, I think I must have been falling asleep this morning, but they find some kind of loose testicle gun. Mm-hmm. Um... And then they realise that um, they, they, they get that energy from copper. And how convenient! <laughs> the wee boy's got one penny in his pocket that his dad gave him at the start of the movie and there just happens to be a convenient penny slot <laughs> in this gun which fucking shoots fuck out of the whole thing. Again, the standard alien chat, that's how I imagine it would go. It's so frustrating that you're watching this, this all the way through. The wee boy's got all this knowledge of the aliens. He sees them, he, he believes that they're real and then he kind of leads the charge almost like convincing all the adults to go after them. Why is he so fucking smart about everything except when it comes to accepting his parents aren't his parents anymore? Even at the end when they were blowing things up and they were getting ready to just fuck off and like win, he ran across the hill, the, the alien yeah. bit as well because his mum and dad came back out, shouted on him like he's alien mum and dad. You are smart about everything. You are aware of the aliens. You know what they're doing. Why can you not accept that your parents are aliens and you're not speaking to your actual parents? But I think family love Trump's intelligence. <laughs> fuck that for me, man. I'd be off. It's the most poignant thing I've ever got uh, to try to say in this podcast. Well, if my parents become aliens, just watch me. <laughs> I'd be off. Unless it was like that TV show, My Parents Are Aliens, in which case it'd be pretty fun. Uh, only the, the first the first aliens. When it was the blonde mum. Yeah, yeah, because then when they switched them, they were shit. Yeah. That was weird. Why did they swap them halfway through? Uh, probably the same. It was just the mum they swapped. It wasn't the, the dad. The dad was the same all the way through. But the um, I guess it's contracting issues. So. We should say, My Parents Are Aliens was a kid's programme well, like when we were at school. Yeah. And it in the UK. Three, three in adop- adoptive siblings who are adopted by aliens. And it's pretty self-explanatory. They got there. <laughs> so many crazy hijinks. It was great fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, after that, then we get a scene and we say... It's all a fucking dream. It's all a fucking dream. But is it? Albeit a preemptive dream, but even still, it's a fucking shitty ending. It's so but cheap. is it a dream? Yes. Is it just made to th- make you think it's a dream? Yeah, because it was a dream. That his parents could still be aliens? I don't know. Ah. No. Maybe. I think... Uh, I, I like know. to think that because then it's got a wee bit of redeeming quality. That it's not just the fucking cop-out dream excuse. It is actually... No. Mace thing is a dream. It, they're actually still aliens. David's probably going to get raped by his dad. And game over. The end. I thought there was shite acting, huge plot holes, scrotum aliens, but do you know what? I still liked it. It wasn't, I mean, it was... It wasn't offensive. No. 
Well, unless you're offended by big dicks and balls <laughs> kicking about, but other than that, it was nobody's a, offended no. by big dicks and balls <laughs> kicking about. Uh, I I'd give it a five. Oh really? I gave it seven. School workers banging wee boys at a ten. Mm, fair enough. I <laughs> got a five. Didn't provide much. It was somewhat boring, and I did like the practical effects, even if they did look like big veiny cocks. <laughs> Maybe that's why I like them. That's why I love them. <laughs> right. Uh, Mars Attacks, 1996, Tim Burton. What is that? White House is coming out live. My fellow Americans, this is a momentous occasion. It is profoundly moving to know there is intelligent life out there. Alien life. And our world will never feel quite the same again. Once you believe. Martians. above fear. Annihilate! Kill! Kill! Let's not be too rash. Then you'll be invited. Hi there. Are you interested in the White House? To meet with a new people. It's so perfect that it's happening at the beginning of the new millennium. More powerful than the might of America. I'll tell you one thing. They ain't getting a TV. More advanced than the brains of Britain. Ladies and gentlemen, this could be a cultural misunderstanding. But be prepared for a few changes to what we know and love. I'm Jones, right? It ain't unusual. As we must learn to dance. Girls, get out! To a new tune. Jack Nicholson. Whoa. Why can't we all just get along? Glenn Close. Kick the crap out of them. Pierce Brosnan. What, in your view, are some of the things that the Martians can teach us, Professor? Quite a lot about Mars, I expect, Natalie. That means Danny DeVito. You want to conquer the world? You're going to need lawyers, right? And Annette Benning. I think they've come to save us. From director Tim Burton. We all make mistakes, Mr. President. Mars attacks. Not anymore. We're going to take charge of this thing. This was the first 12 that I got into the cinema. I was like seven or eight. I think I was eight, but when I walked back the dates, I would have been seven. Mm -hmm. But who knows? Uh, and my dad took us to the showcase that hadn't long opened and snuck me and my brother in. And Mars attacks blew me away. This is like my first proper foray into violent fun kind of slightly made for adult movies yeah because it but probably speeds up pretty quickly when we get when we get in it but um, why I have it tattooed I on always me. forget that it's well I don't anymore but for a while I didn't realise it was Tim Burton's movie mm -hmm. um, and I always forgot it was his and it's uh, he, the, the cast is absolutely huge they have three Oscar winners and yeah. six Oscar nominees and was that at the time? Do they, that was they, at they, the time. They, they now have future Oscar winners, surely, because Natalie uh, Portman's won an Oscar, is she not? No, Natalie Portman had won an Oscar at that point. Oh, she won it already? Yeah. Um, oh, well, if she's not, where I got that information from, Natalie Portman was included in it. Right, okay. Which is brilliant. Can you think of any other movie that has three Oscar winners and six Oscar nom nominees? Off the top of my head, no. Probably La La Land, actually. Every current was given name an Oscar. <laughs> uh, but that's amazing. For a fucking alien. A fun alien film. Yeah, it, it and it kind of bombed at the box office too. Only probably as well it was Eclipse because it came out pretty much at the same time as Independence Day. 
What's the better movie? Well, Mars Attacks is the better movie. Yeah, of course. I mean, but I got it on uh, VHS and it was a double cassette box VHS because in one half it was a t-shirt. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you still have that t-shirt? No. Oh, they bought it off you. Yeah. Why does Jack Nicholson play two characters? Ah, let me tell you. <laughs> hey, apparently when he got sent a script, he joked with Tim Burton and said, I want to play all the characters. But Tim Burton had also been told that he could never kill off any character that Jack Nicholson would play. So he thought for a laugh he'd do two characters and kill them both off. And Jack Nicholson was fine with it. It was in a lot of Jack Nicholson's contracts that Jack Nicholson wouldn't be killed off. Oh really? So that's how Tim Burton just thought, oh if I could kill him off twice. And Jack Nicholson was cool with it. That's pretty, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Uh, Pam um, Greer was asked to audition uh, to fly to LA. And she couldn't because her dog wasn't well. She kept saying no and he kept asking her to come out. And she's like, I can't leave my dog. My dog's like really sick. And then eventually just went, oh fuck it, you've passed the edition because in the movie, your son, you've lost your son, you don't want to leave. So you've passed the edition. So that's how she got it. <laughs> she didn't even need to edition. That's all right. Plus, um, you've obviously seen her as a sexy robot in class yeah, in 1999. Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> Did you know uh, there's other people who were supposed to be in the movie? Um, Johnny Depp was supposed to be in it. You heard that. And then, but he Which was, is a standard because it's a Tim yeah, Burton film. But he turned it down and it went to Michael J. Fox, which I think is better. Better because. It would just then be another Johnny Depp Tim Burton film, yeah. whereas this it's then it is different, yeah. Um, and Hugh Grant was supposed to be Pierce Brosnan. I think Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, is a I think cast. the way I think all the cast that was picked was the best yeah. cast. Um, the but I mean I guess it's because that's how we know it and that's how we love it. So anyway, the first note I've got is that uh, Barbara is the worst type of person. I mean, she's not really, but she is. <laughs> she's you know the hippie woman that's just yeah. fucking crystals and all uh, that shit. Annette Bening. Sitting on top of the the car yeah. when the aliens come. Yeah. I just let you know that all my notes are I love Jack Nicholson, I love Michael <laughs> J. Fox, I love Danny DeVito, I love Pam Greer. Everyone that comes on the screen, I just go, aha, yes. <laughs> That's what mine's like as well. Michael J. Fox, I like. Sarah Jessica Parker, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> right. But the president makes the announcement that they've fully 100% discovered life on Mars or alien ships coming to Earth yeah. from Mars. People should be freaking the fuck out. I mean, mine should be blowing. Everybody's just like, oh, have you seen this? Oh, that's pretty <laughs> cool. I mean, Lucas Haas plays that character that um, he is kind of like mm-hmm. not phased by any of this, but everybody else is just like, all oh, right. I think it's Jessica Parker, it must be, that's, that's given it all, oh, yeah, I don't care, I don't care. I'm interviewing a scientist. Yeah, like, she, she plays an absolute fucking idiot. I, so yeah. I so, I mean, understand you can maybe say that the acting is actually pretty good. Uh, everybody in this movie is over the top. If you imagine a Tim Burton film and you say, what does a Tim Burton film look like? You think of uh, dark, gothic, Nightmare Before Christmas, Batman style movies. Mars Attacks is bright colours, yeah. flamboyant characters. Everybody is, nobody, I don't think anybody's wearing black, everybody's wearing bright colours of some, some degree. Do you know why it was all red and green? Like why the lasers and the aliens were red and green and no. the skeletons? Because it was made to come out for Christmas. So Tim Burton had made it red and green, the Christmas colours. All oh, right. Once you watch it back, you go, oh, that would have really cheapened it if it was just all Christmassy, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But apparently that's why. Oh. The ships look, you've still not seen it because we're going to do the commentary, but Plan 9 from Outer Space, uh-huh. they look exactly like the wee ships on a string that they used in that movie. <laughs> and this was right after Tim Burton done Edward, uh-huh. who was the director of Plan 9 and directed that, so he'd obviously put it in as a wee homage, homage to Tim uh, Edward's brilliant film nice. apparently um, it comes from a trading card game from the 1950s the story I've tried to buy it on eBay 
quite a few times. Is it expensive? No, they just they all look shit. <laughs> <laughs> I like my things mint condition. Yeah. Now they look mint. A uh, wee bit of trivia. When Jack Black's character leaves for the army and the granny mistakenly calls him Thomas, that's Jack Black's real first name. I did not know that. I thought his real name was Jack. No. That is mind-blowing. I also like the granny in it. She's actually really fucking good. She's got a lot of wee one-liners. So then we get to the... Um, oh God, I don't know who says this. It must be the army guy because he's raging the whole way through. He's like, Liberals! Peacemongers! Idiots! <sighs> what side would you be on? Would you be on the welcoming side or would you be on the suspicious side? Eh, probably the welcoming side. Just to see what's up. They've came here for a reason so it's fine. And to shoot you with the lasers and turn you into skeletons. Aye, we don't know that at that point. Well, that's why you'd be dead. <laughs> uh, the Martian voice comes out and there's a duck quack backwards. Do you know that? No. Yeah. Ack, 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 ack. Yep. I, th- I heard it was because they actually they didn't know what the Martians would say, so they just typed ack, 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 and it turned out that's what it was. No, apparently it's a, a duck quacks. Like, that's the sound they've, they've got. They've what, they've just reversed it backwards? And then played the backwards, yeah. And wow. then changed the pitch and tone, so it sounds like it's like. Okay, I grab myself a duck and. They also wanted, the studio wanted subtitles. You know, when it first comes to the telly, that. and Tim Burton refused, says no. Which makes sense because you wouldn't know what. Um, you would know uh, the, the Martians here, so we shouldn't know They're meant to be the sure. There was meant to be stop. The aliens were meant to be stop motion as well. Ah, yeah. Uh, which would have been fucking amazing if they'd been stop motion, like proper bad stop motion. Yeah. Uh, but because of budget limitations, they had to go CGI. Yeah, because they wanted two hundred sixty million to make the film, but they should only give them sixty. Sounds a bit. Imagine just... what what you could have got if it was the full thing, right? So then they everybody turns up to the Nevada desert to greet the aliens, and say that event would be amazing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be there though <laughs> fucking hippies man the whole the whole world would be watching at the same thing at the same time it would be so awesome you know like have a big massive event yeah. you know like the next thing will happen will be when the queen dies and we'll all be watching telly at the same time yeah some will be happy and some will be sad I don't really think I, I, I would even put the telly on if there's aliens coming no if, if the queen, queen died, died yeah I'm not bored I, I don't I don't wish her <laughs> any ill health but I just mean that that news wouldn't make me turn the TV on it's not, it's not going to make her undead. Although, that would make me fucking turn <laughs> if, if somebody said the Queen is dead, but actually she's coming back, then I would turn the TV on. Right, so they come down. Some scientist has created a translator. Uh, just, you know, some knobs and twizzles. And the um, army general uh, does a good job at introducing aliens. Martin Short was appraises it, and the president also agrees. Yep. Then they go, uh, then they say, we come in peace. And it comes through the tunnel. We come in peace. We come in peace. And then the uh, happy with the dove. They came in peace. Let's the dove go. See when they started shooting and you're watching the telly, or even if you're at that event, yeah. you might get away. Life as you know it would change forever. If, if this was really happening in real life, and aliens came down, it's already mental as fuck as it is. But then they've got technology to just disintegrate you into a change the color of your skeleton. Yeah. In seconds, you would be like, what the actual fuck. Like, is there any even point in us living, or should we just kneel to our subservient fucking Martian masters right now? But would you kneel to them because they just want to kill everyone anyway? Unless now at this point, obviously now you've realised that yeah. they just want to well, kill. Yeah, because that's what I'm saying. Did they ever come in peace? Because birds would be flying even if the happy didn't like release a dove. Birds fly in the sky, so. Nah, I think they just wanted to kill. Yeah, because you see that later on when he's got the translator. We are your friends. <laughs> we are your friends, and they can keep shooting him. Uh, would you rather be a red skeleton or a green skeleton? Eh, red. It looks more evil. Yeah, it just uh, looks more badass, like you've, you've been dragged to hell or something. Mm. Mm. Green skeleton looks a bit kind of 
like they've just decorated you for St Patrick's Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I never under really understood the, maybe the joke went over my head, but you know when you see them in their spaceship and they're just kicking about in their wee red pants. <laughs> I love those wee red pants. <laughs> if I could get a wee pair of red silky <laughs> pants like that, I'd kick about the house. See if you right. See that's your Halloween costume. Uh, make yourself a brain. Put on like a fishbowl in your head and walk about with a wee pair of red pants. I'd do it. I need to, I need to lose more weight because I am a fat fucking Martian right now. <laughs> also like the robe, the, the big emperor wears. Ah, the big robe, I thought if I, I see if I had that robe, I'd wear it like, I'd wear it out of the shower, I'd just wear it all day and just sometimes just to feel fabulous. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm skipping a lot of movie here but my next note is um, the circle bed that Martin Short jumps on. Is that when she's when the, 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 the hot the, sexy emotions yeah. came down? It looks solid. Like it looks doesn't look comfortable at all. Uh, the girl was Lisa Marie. Is that Lisa Marie? No, uh, she like... went out with one of them. She went out with someone in the cast. <laughs> I was going to write that she was terrible graphics, but then when I seen her up close, I was like, that's actually the real person for the majority. Yeah, apart from the hair. The hair, yeah. And the tits. And the tits. Um, oh, Madonna. Used to have tits like that. Yeah. <laughs> so then uh, she makes it into the president's room. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of kind of things where we see that she's eating chewing gum to help her breathe, and she turns out that she's a Martian in disguise. Uh, she makes it to the president's room, and she's almost got to shoot the president, but then she shoots the dog. It's like fucking poor dog, man. Fuck Martians. You can miss the finger bite bit. Oh yeah, the finger the bit. Finger bite, uh, and she yeah. spits it into the aquarium. Thing, that, that is good, eye. Is it eight-year-old Liam? I hoist it going. Oh my god! <laughs> this is what adults watch. Because then the, the fish is like eating the uh, eating it's the finger liver. Do you know what's inside the aquarium? that all the fish are all the characters from Finding Nemo. There's like a little clown fish, there's a dory. Basically, all the, all the fish in the tropical aquarium are what the characters are based on. Is that... Just right? probably because that is the colourful fish that you put in that right, aquarium. Right. But it's still quite... Look at it. I think Disney should go back and take it and just put wee faces in the wall. And just make it look like that was the first Finding Nemo. The prequel. I, they really hate birds, don't they? Just shoots the budgie out of nowhere. And then there's obviously so then they try and then then everything goes like crazy. It's a full scale invasion, and uh, they try and get the president out of the White House. Yeah. Um, is this a proper invasion scene? This is the proper invasion scene when the yeah all the things are behind the the spaceships behind the White House windows and they get them out and uh, but they still have like comedy in there with the bouncers like uh, uh, sorry no we can't go through there's a tour going through <laughs> there and the tour still happened but they're trying to get the president. Yeah, right? when in the Taj Mahal they blow up when the Martians are trying to get a photo, I get a photo for yeah. and then Easter Island where they've like done a big bowling ball yeah. to try and knock them all down this movie's fucking amazing you've also, that's all the kind of stock footage and stuff like you've obviously got like Maoris and things like that like when the, the Easter Island heads and they're standing just watching as if what the fuck's going on and then they try and um, show you uh, a Muslim country like uh-huh. thing and it's just a picture of like probably Mecca because there's loads of them praying with screams over the, <laughs> the top but that's, there's, there's nothing happening yet. but um, and obviously so you, you see the scene in Paris as well with the president's say pr- Prime Minister of Paris is like, oh no, they're coming down to speak to us, they're, they're good, <laughs> and he's on the, the phone to Jack Nicholson. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's quite funny. And then you get the obvious set up with the, the two boys who have been ditching school to play the shooting game for ages. They take the two guns and become shooting heroes. Imagine that was you, though. Imagine you giving a fucking alien gun <laughs> and got to do it. What you guys got, can I get the prison out of here? <laughs> that's when I watch this movie and I, I resort back to being a child. I yeah. watch it going, Oh my god, imagine how brilliant that would be. 
I don't watch it as an adult going, that's stupid, that kid couldn't even hold that gun. I just, the magic of childhood comes back to me. <laughs> um, so then we are we're kind of kicking between places. We go to uh, Vegas and uh, Jack Nicholson's other character who's a, a hotel. Like, mm-hmm. Ty- tycoon. Yeah. Um, his hotel gets blown up. That was footage from a real hotel that mm-hmm. was blown up. It used to be owned by Howard Hughes. Who's that? Uh, the famous guy who my dad always calls me Howard Hughes. He used to, like, he was a fucking millionaire playboy, flew planes. The Aviator, with Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh-huh. That's based on Howard Hughes. And then he became a, a recluse and, like, he would only walk around, he'd stay in a room. I actually think it might have been in the casino, or the hotel, possibly, and only walking bits of tissue. So he put a bit of tissue every time he wanted to walk. And your dad calls you Howard Hughes? That calls me Howard Hughes because he knows nothing in my room, well, when I lived at home, nothing in my room could get touched. And I didn't really like speaking to people and he just always called me Howard Hughes. He still calls me Howard Hughes. <laughs> um, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so then we see um, Vegas and this is when we get more of the Vegas cast which uh, obviously involves Danny DeVito who's fantastic as always. Uh, and fucking Tom Jones. I was like, why is he so famous? I said he can't act because then he's the first scene when he's not singing and it's terrible but then I, I, actually he's not the worst he does kind of get it back it, it's just so. a, a singer it's funny because you know how when he comes running out and he does um, he does his scene about how Martians are chasing him and Danny DeVito comes up and says something it's you can see the difference in delivery of a good actor like it sounds so natural uh-huh. like you, like it's so difficult to sound natural when you're not not an actor yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's why I think I would be really good at it I honestly still think I'm going to get Danny DeVito's tattooed on me somewhere. That should be a matching tattoo. <laughs> oh, I'll happily do it. Unless I think he's, everything he does is hilarious. He's but Let's do it. Should we get either when he's oiled up and shaved naked and coming out the couch and oh, it's always sunny, or should we just get him when he's uh, looking mental as fuck with his hair like on tufts at the side? I think hair all tufts. See, we just got a stylized portrait of him tufty hair. Yeah, we're a quote. We need a quote for him. Um, I, I can't think in off the top of my head but we need a coat and then we'll go and get Danny DeVito tattooed I thought about it for a while but it needs to, it needs to happen that's that's pretty good <laughs> I, I, will, I, will, I will get the same one <laughs> uh, yeah so then we have full, full martial invasion this is when they're running about the town with the, the translator don't run we are your friends <laughs> uh, but they're just shooting fuck out everybody one of them's for some reason pilots the fucking iron giant which is actually quite cool and it picks up like, picks the, up the trailer the and smashes them in bits <laughs> but then he just chases after uh, Lucas Haas he's just like why is he so preoccupied with this one truck because it's getting away if you're going to just de- destroy everything yeah but he didn't destroy the whole trailer park did you ever play Rampage aye like, get the game where you'd be like the fucking Godzilla and climb up the building and yeah. punch and anytime the wee army trucks that try to drive away that's the one I'd go for even if you're <laughs> behind me it's the one that's trying to get away you don't let Andy get away <laughs> So this is where this is where the point that I was making from Invaders from Mars before that it's ironic. Um, I don't. I think it's ironic. I don't know if that's the right use of the word. I'm never sure if I'm using it right. <laughs> that the army general is uh, is wanting to fight. It's usually made to be the trigger happy bad guy in movies, but in this movie, he's the only one that the president's team that's making any sense and sees how dangerous the the Martians are. Even after they've like shot up the first time, they're still like oh, we can talk to them and do negotiations again. Maybe it was our fault. Yeah. The guy's like, we need to fucking blow them up. And then they come down and start shooting up everybody again. They need to blow them up. So he's basically the Donald Trump of the situation. <laughs> well, you know, I think I think right 
but this but the point in the movie where the guy actually pulls out his guns to shoot the two aliens who become bulletproof for that scene by the way because normal guns kill them in other scenes um, they, that's that's he's got enough evidence to suggest that the aliens are there to do them yeah, harm just he's not just throwing uh, you know missiles at Syria for a YouTube video you know <laughs> um, he speaks to them the president speaks to them gives them a speech and they can they understand him it looks like they do they, but they didn't they couldn't before so why do they now but then obviously they don't really care because they kill him it's maybe just a sensitive way of Jack Nicholson's delivery mm. I think if Jack Nicholson was talking to me in Chinese I'd still just sit there and be like yeah man I agree I have sped over the rest of my notes but obviously we know what happens okay. um, Lucas Haskett's his grandma and um, she's listening to an old 1920s Broadway she's listening song, to Slim Whitman Slim Whitman um, uh, and Indian love call his high pitched <laughs> yodeling blows up their heads yeah and then that's how they figure out that they can just play on every radio signal and blow them all up and kill them which is brilliant honestly I don't, I, when I was like, looking through some of the notes and stuff for this movie a lot of the reviews are like oh it bombed and hey, it's not that good the story's weak that this shut the fuck up it's so enjoyable it's the best cast it's fun there's nothing wrong with it it's actually quite funny as well like when um when he goes in to get his grandma and the aliens she's got headphones and so she can't hear them and the aliens have got this big massive over the top gun <laughs> pointed at her head ready to press the button <laughs> it's, it is quite funny it's quite comical it also cuts to the room where they're watching like the footage from it's like Capitol Hill or something and the grand just laughs and goes no oh, they blew up Capitol Hill <laughs> and I was like that's brilliant just that is a wee woman riddled with dementia who just finds this hilarious that the aliens are attacked that's, that is good <laughs> I don't know if we skipped over the part when uh, the Vegas guys get away and um, our boxer just starts punching fuck at you or the aliens. <laughs> just, yeah, it's pretty good as well. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they blow up all the aliens and uh, when Natalie Portman's the only living person of the president's family that's left... Oh, by the way, Glenn Close getting killed with yeah. that chandelier was <laughs> is it, tremendous. Uh, so she is the one that's given out the medals and it's kind of like the end of Star Wars when they're on the... When Natalie Portman's also giving out the medals. Yeah. Episode one. Um... <laughs> So they're standing in uh, the Gran and Lucas Haas get the medals and he's like dead humble. You don't have to um, kiss me if you don't want to. There's a mariachi band, Mexican mariachi band playing the national anthem, which I guess is probably quite funny as well. Um, and he's like... Well, <laughs> Not in Trump's America. <laughs> and he's like, if, let's, <clears throat> if we're rebuilding society, we should live in teepees. And I was like, and bang, Natalie Portman's happy ending. <laughs> is, that, is that your dream? Bang yeah. Natalie Portman in a teepee? Is that not everybody's dream? Yeah, it's true. True. What would you give it? I, Anything less than a ten, and you can fuck right well, off. Well, to be honest, it's it's an underappreciated classic. It's a clip by Independence Day's release, and I gave it nine headless Sarah Jessica Parkers at ten. I'll I'll allow I'll allow nine actually. It's that it is a ten. <laughs> You're wrong. <being laughs> nine, but That's it's not as bad as I thought. I thought you were going to. Or I thought you'd be determined to provoke me and give it like a four. No, no, it's it's I I can't lie. I I would be doing an injustice to myself and the world if I it's if so I said it was rubbish. Absolutely brilliant. It's everything about it. It's, I'm going to watch it again tonight. I must have. <laughs> oh, I must have watched Mars Attacks like fucking five hundred times throughout my life. I did enjoy it. In the wee chihuahua, like Sarah Jessica Parker's head on the wee chihuahua, <laughs> is a scene that I'll never forget. Because <laughs> she actually looks better than she does with a human body. Yeah. She should just not be allowed to be on television. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so that was Mars Attacks and Venus from Mars. 
Some would say we've got an alien theme going on today. Or some say we would have an alien theme going on today. Would you like to conspiracy corner or talk about anything else first? Um, well, I, I just wanted to say I was watching something on Netflix the other day there. Um, I've tried. I seen people online say that Train to Busan was on Netflix. I was like, yes, but it's the US yeah. version. So when I typed in Train to, I found a Train to Oslo from Begrin. Maybe it's a seven and a half hour camera strapped to the front of this train that drives through mainland Europe, and I have watched way too many hours <laughs> of this just staring at a fucking train driving through the countryside. I'm like, in that way that you kind of start watching, it, you think. Why am I watching this? And they think, well, no one need to see how long this tunnel is. <laughs> oh, well, I need to wait and see how long this tunnel is. I've been messaging you going, oh, have you watched such and such and such and such? And he said, no. As if you've had no time. <laughs> but you've been watching seven hours worth of fucking train a fucking train journey. Oh, you need to, you need help, man. It's mesmerising. Yeah, I watched The Void. Any yeah, good? Incredible. Absolutely brilliant. It comes out on DVD on <laughs> Monday. So this comes out Friday. But on Monday, but I had to rent it off iTunes just because I couldn't wait and it's just John Carpenter meets David Cronenberg meets Astro and Six meets My Dreams it's just brilliant absolutely outstanding I will, you'll like I will, it yeah well. I will, I will uh, give it a go um, yeah. I also seen I got a, uh, an advert on Facebook to buy um, Swiss Army Boy is that what it's called yeah. Swiss Army Man and I was like oh fucking yes because I really want to see that because it looks quirky it looks you know might be big names and a bit bigger budget than independent movies but I thought it looks mental so I, I'm up for it uh, it was only on an Amazon Prime deal and I refused to get Amazon Prime so I'll need to wait could just go to the supermarket and get I don't it. know if it's out in general it's out on Monday oh I did it yeah. oh, well yes well fuck you Amazon I'm going to get it Tesco <laughs> and also the thing I put on up on Twitter the Mind's Eye that we kept talking about since Fright Fest has actually sneakily been released at some point in the past year as a movie called Supernatural Forces with a rotten front cover. The cover's terrible. With an actor that's not even in the movie. Yeah. There's nothing about that that's, cover. That's, that's studio because I remember reading up on uh, Dominic uh, Brunt's Before uh-huh. Dawn and the, he was talking about, like he says, the, the pictures on the front case of the DVDs, like that's nothing to do with the movie. It's like, and he's like, I don't know where they got that from. I don't, surely they have, obviously they don't, but you think they would have rights to, right, it's my movie, so you're distributing it. I want, I want to know how you're going to distribute it. Yeah. Because I put it on Twitter and Joe Begos liked it. Yeah. And somebody else tweeted him and he's like, I know it's absolutely garbage. Because it just means the movie sits in a corner. I've probably seen it in the shop numerous times. And so how did you find out that's where it was? Did you just pick it up by chance? Oh, I was in I was like, hey, I was still only in Region 1. Only Region 1 Blu-ray, get it for America. And then it said Supernatural Forces and then Joe Begos nixed it. I was like, is that an horror movie? Clicked it. No, mine's eye. It says Mind's Eye in the review. Ah, I've seen that on the picture. In the actual movie, they've still changed the Mind's Eye title to Supernatural Forces, which is a shit name. Yeah. Maybe that's what's happening with Patchwork. Well, I'll we'll look and see if that's out. In a Just look for a movie called like, Dead Girl. But I would buy that. <laughs> <laughs> body, <laughs> body issues. You just get Frankenhooker over and over again, wouldn't you? Yeah, true. Right. Keep your corner. This creepy corner is the story of Captain K, uh, and this is a guy who came forth to tell of his 17-year mission to Mars, and I spent a, quite a long time watching and listening to interviews that this this guy had um, done until my eyes went inside my head and looked at my brain, and I just, you know, the synapses clicked together, and the world was just 
And in the corner of your room, your TV was still travelling through Europe on a, a train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, so his story began for me as he discussed his time in the military, specifically within Project Moonshadow. He was assigned to Special Section MDF, the Mars Defence Force. He was trained on Lunar Operations Command on both Saturn's Moon Titan and within Deep Space. A NASA employee called into a radio show discussing the possibility that humans are more advanced in space travel than the average Joe's aware and corroborated parts of Captain K's story. This employee detailed a scenario in which herself and many other operators witnessed two humanoid beings walking on the surface of Mars. She explained how there, there is an atmosphere on Mars more so than it has been disclosed to the general public. This sighting happened while the team were viewing monitors to track the Viking rover on Mars in 1979. A quote-unquote higher power at NASA, never a straight answer, cut the feed in the main room and continued to view the footage themselves in an office with a door that is never locked, now sealed tight. Let's get back to Captain K. After training, he was transferred to Mars. He explained that there is indeed an atmosphere on Mars, an atmosphere that is breathable. The temperature varies wildly from deathly cold to fatally hot. Which is actually just like my bedroom. <laughs> His settlement was protected by some sort of dome shield and they were housed within a crater. Captain K described a cold wind blowing on the surface of Mars and felt the air was thin as though atop a mountain on Earth. He confirmed that the planet is indeed red and very rocky. Sunrise and sunset are particularly spectacular times as for 15 to 20 minutes each day the height of the sun makes the whole planet look purple. The main settlement on Mars is named Ares Prime and from there he was assigned to his division. 098 Special Tactical Division, Station Zebra, Mars Defence Force, Delta Squad. It was within this squad he spent 17 years of his 20-year career. It's quite a catchy name for a division. It is, isn't it? <laughs> got that in all the polytops yeah. and stuff. Ares Prime was comprised mainly of smart and intelligent people, many of whom were of tremendous value to the cause. The funding for the Mars mission was a multinational interest, not from or controlled by one solid country. The USA, China, Russia, Germany and the rest of Europe, to name a few of the countries involved. Captain K went to Mars in 1987. The settlement itself was set up in 1975. It was set up as a mining mission to mine for resources on and under the surface of Mars. With this co-op mission in space happening, be aware that it was done above the knowledge of active governments. Actions such as the Cold War, Vietnam, Falklands, Ireland, all of them are real. The collaborators involved in the Mars Defence Force have interest in clearance higher than the Earth's problems. Captain K arrived on Mars and realised he was now part of the MDF, the Mars Defence Force. I can't say MDF without thinking the wood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is there to defend the Mars colony settlements and their interests. This is mainly mining resources from the surface of the planet. He walked out of Ares Prime onto the tarmac and into the shuttle bus that would transport him to Station Zebra, where he would spend the next 17 years. He was provided with his powered body armour and handheld magnetic Gauss rifles. The captain does not go into the details of this military issue equipment. The colony's job was to extract minerals and resources. The captain's job was to kill anything that gets in the way, which is a fucking cool job. <laughs> <laughs> so what lives on Mars? What could get in the way? Within this research, it was disclosed that there are two native species living on Mars, a native insectoid species that was not interested in expanding or ruling, but was extremely territorial of its land space. The other being was a reptoid species, Captain K touches on Mars' ancient history and explained that once Mars was a vast and powerful population, extremely intelligent and very advanced. They developed space travel amongst other advancements, however they destroyed their ozone layer and subsequently destroyed themselves. Some high-level members of the reptoid species managed to escape Mars and resettle on Earth. 
It is believed by many that these reptoid ancestors infiltrated Earth's elite and now have evolved into high-profile Earthlings and members of the Illuminati. Prove me wrong. This is Scott that's wrote it. Because <laughs> I could prove you wrong. <laughs> fact that they're not fucking lizards. <laughs> His job mainly relied on testing the boundaries of the insectoid species by stomp, quote-unquote, stomping on their eggs and killing their, quote-unquote, little hatchlings. Pretty brutal methods, but then he is American. Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> Captain K experienced his first skirmish on day five. Small battles or baby massacres. Whatever. Which I am all on board with. <laughs> what did the soldiers do in their own time? Captain K said that he had never left Station Zebra except when defending the local area. He also never returned to Ares Prime. There was a holographic VR machine that would hook up to a body's central nervous system and thus would allow muscle memory to occur. This was used for recreation Definitely fucking things in the VR world, which is really where VR is going to go next. Of course it is. Because I'd do it. <laughs> and also for training. The rate of information transfer within the system was extremely fast, and this would allow 12 hours of training to occur in as little as three hours, like the Matrix training room. That's how you should read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. The interviewer at this point asked if there were females on Mars, or if you could shag birds in the VR machine. Captain Key informs him that there were female soldiers, however the planet was predominantly men. There were rules and regulations, however. You weren't permitted to go around raping anyone. There was a liberal policy towards sex. Fuck who you want with no consequences. And this resulted in no tension, so the soldiers weren't fighting each other. It's this ridiculously sexist paragraph. Like, it's un-fucking-believable. Un- <laughs> the Battle of a Thousand Casualties. The war was over. A treaty had been signed. The humans, reptoids and insectoids had signed a treaty and joined forces to defeat invading reptoids. It was then that Captain K's division received orders to enter an ancient reptoid's tomb and re- retrieve ancient artefacts. The MDF sent over a thousand soldiers to enter the tomb that reptoid treaty members had specifically said not to enter and to steal their ancient belongings. Captain K was not happy about these orders and attempted to veto the mission. Higher powers confirmed and executed the orders. They had to reach the tomb through a series of tunnels and caves. I take it a yep, bit. Think Starship Troopers, think Invaders from Mars. They split up the section so as not to bottleneck the vast amount of soldiers in the one place. They arrived in a huge dome-like room. All 1,024 made it inside. Comms went dead. The signals were jammed. Secret doorways opened up that were disguised by hologram. Streams of reptoids came flooding in with large bladed weapons. They circled the humans and they wiped them out. A full-scale ambush. A massacre. Bullshit. Egghead scientists working within Ares Prime had developed a localised wormhole technology. The signals were jammed, but someone managed to open a channel and get connected to headquarters. The remaining soldiers were told to hold position and stay put. And where the fuck else they got to go? True. The scientists couldn't use localised wormhole technology. Instead, they had to employ a large ship wormhole phenomenon. The survivors were sucked out of harm's way. Some soldiers were pulled through the edges of the wormhole as it closed, and they were cut in half. 1,024 went in. 35 made it out alive. This didn't descend into all-out war, even though the humans violated the treaty. Instead, the divisions were dissolved, and Captain K is now retired and back on Earth. He's unaware, but believes there may be a new team defending the mining operations. He began telling his story under the Captain K pseudonym in 2014. Shortly after that, he was granted clearance to tell a story. His name is Randy Kramer. He runs a website called EarthCitizenConsulting.org. Don't trust anyone named Randy. Well, (laughs) so who is Randy Kramer? As a young child, Randy would experience strange dreams that would leave him with cuts, bruises and even a couple of hematomas. On one night, Randy would have a dream where he heard a noise in his home and found a small, four foot tall cloaked alien resembling a Jawa from Star Wars 
It was making a sandwich in his kitchen. Wondering why a Jawa was raiding his fridge, Randy confronted the alien and removed its hood, revealing that the alien had a wide and boxy-shaped head with wrinkles all across its head and was orangey-brownish. The alien would then lunge at Randy and lifted him up by the throat and ball sack. Before he could get any kinkier, Randy woke up from the dream. Randy. Sometime after the dream, Randy would conclude that the dream really happened. His bruised balls were probably a good sign of evidence. Randy's dream would later turn out to be a test run by the government to observe his abilities. I guess that getting your crotch grabbed by an alien was a good thing because Randy was placed into Project Mannequin, where he and other children would be trained to become advanced soldiers. Aside from his training, Randy would also go through several medical experiments where he gained super speed and strength. When Randy turned 17, he signed a contract to serve for 20 years as a Marine for the Earth Defence Force, where he would be subcontracted to one of Earth's bases within the solar system. When his contract was up, the government used what is known as quote-unquote quantum dilation. This allowed Randy to live out an illustrious 20-year career in space, but he returned to his 17-year-old self. He spent 20 years in the EDF and MDF, but was gone from Earth for no more than what seemed like 10 minutes. Randy has unfortunately misplaced his government contract, which sucks because if he had it, we would all totally believe him. When Randy's service was over, he was sent back to Earth at the time he was 17, and his memories of his ventures on Mars were suppressed. One specific requirement implemented into Randy's mind was that he shouldn't join the military. He did anyway, and because he joined the Navy, a fake priest drugged him with a roofied bottle of apple juice and he was taken to the moon, where his body was completely rebuilt to fix the problem. He was also paraded around to government officials to show off how much of a super soldier he was and to even put into, and even put into gladiator fights. When Randy was back on Earth, he had a vision where Jesus told him to leave the Navy. Although Randy believed that the vision was planted in his mind, he faked suicidal thoughts to get out of the Navy. How does it all end? Randy has virtually no evidence of his story and is searching for something to prove that his story is real. He won't because he's obviously a liar or a mentally ill person who believes he fought aliens on Mars. If you or a family member suffer from <laughs> drug abuse, <laughs> please contact us. Help. There is there is so much shite on the internet about it. Like, see when I was see when I was re- reading and listening to like the first interview, and it was it's like two hours long, and you get fully right into the middle of it. And he says about the reptoids and stuff, and about how like the how they left Mars, and then he think about the reptilians, and he think there's like all these different. And then uh, halfway through as well, he was talking about other uh, the the Zetas. There's a whole different thing about Zeta aliens, and then the 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 Greys. There's there's so much stuff that it's all different people saying it, and it all ties in. Now it's fair enough that someone could tell a story, and I could elaborate on your story with my own parts yeah. that tie in. So that's completely plausible. But it, when you dive into these wormholes, it feels like. Uh, sorry, rabbit holes. It feels like you're getting somewhere, and then you do a wee bit more research, and then you find out like his background and stuff. And I think the background information at the end there is a bit satirical. But you know, like the whole part about when he joined the navy and then got a vision from Jesus telling him to leave, but he thought that that was implanted. That's completely psychotic. That is a major symptom of delusions and paranoid beliefs. There's there's no two ways about it. And then faking or quote unquote faking suicidal thoughts is another mentally ill condition. But people are believing him. People are in the audience at these talks he's given where he's wearing fucking, you know, beige chinos with cut-off <laughs> zips at the knees to make him into shorts and a fake leather jacket. He looks like a proper wahoo. He looks like a, a, a loser. But who's believing him? All, people all losers. are paying money to go and watch this guy talk. But that's the same with David Icke. David Icke. Well... I started to look up David X's website and I was thinking some of his books look quite interesting. I might buy some of his books. I want he did one of his talks on Netflix 
and I kept getting stoned and trying to watch it and generally I never made it past the first five minutes even stoned I was like this is a load of shit the first interview that I watched there with Captain K I was like right okay this is because his story was just specifically on Mars but see when you started hearing him talk about it and the more people were interested in his story the wider why started why would out. it be now though that we're now just thinking there may be water on Mars whereas this guy is so far advanced that he's lived there, fought a war, had have weapons. You not, have you not seen that there's there's a duck on Mars? Is that that photo you sent yeah, me? That was during my, my Aye, it's a rock. Research. It's a duck. The shadow makes it look like a, a duck. It's not a duck. But what do you think about them being an advanced civilization at one point and then destroying themselves, destroying their atmosphere? That's exactly what we're doing to ourselves right now. Mm. It's probably, it's plausible. One of the other interviews that I seen, um, he claimed that he was made in a lab. And this probably all goes to when he was a child and his dream mm. was actually a test to make him a super soldier. Uh, he also claims that World War Two in reality is different than what we know it. In vitro fertilisation, you're, you're made in a lab. Uh. So that's just, that, that can be normal for many people. Uh, it says the Nazis were working on reverse engineering alien technology they quote-unquote acquired from quote-unquote sources that they were working on magnetic robotic anti-gravity lift. He won't get into the nitty-gritty of how that works, though, during the... Oh, of course. Of course. Um, he said the Nazi space programme of the 20th century, he says it's not counting the quote-unquote ancient aliens, because the Egyptians, Aztecs, Mayans, all had alien technology or evidence of it on the hieroglyphics on the walls. But he also said that no member of the Nazi party actually signed the treaty agreement at the end of the war. The German army did, but the Nazis didn't. They actually went to Antarctica with their submarines and they went underneath the ice and dug out caves underneath the ice. So they're still, Nazis are still working underneath the ice at Antarctica, reverse engineering um, spaceships. What do you think of that? Do you want my honest opinion or do you want my opinion to make this seem interesting? <laughs> uh, do you know what? There's some bits I could believe in. I believe that Leonardo da Vinci could be a Martian because he developed the helicopter, the tank, all this shit. Yeah. Fucking thousands of years before it was actually invented. Yeah. So, maybe. Do I believe that the Queen and the President and stuff like that are lizards? I don't believe that they're, like, could take off their skin and they're lizards underneath. There's all this stuff about how um, Justin Bieber changes into a lizard in front of a thousand fans and then changes back, but nobody got a video of it. I don't believe <laughs> that. Maybe the eyes, like, their eyes are can I've change. Seen, I've seen a video with George Bush Sr. and he blinks sideways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so fucking this is, this is uh, the the reptoids that came from Mars at, when they destroyed their planets, they're actually called the, the Gaia Lucans. And when they came down, they interbred with humans. So it's a, it's a bloodline of, of reptilians. It's not actual lizard people under the skin. It's a bloodline of reptilians. Illuminati. British royal family. I don't even know how much of the, of the Illuminati I believe in. Because I do think that if the Illuminati were in power... Everyone, like the president, the, the prime ministers and stuff, if there is like an all, a full-scale war on Earth, they all get put into safe houses. I can't believe that anyone who's a reptoid, who has that much power, would want to be locked in a room with Donald Trump at some point and would allow him to get it's, in the presidency. You no, know, I see, because the, the Illuminati have got, and the people who are involved in this space travel and this, this all, uh, Mars Defence Force and whatnot, they're all higher than... The governments that we see. Donald Trump doesn't even know about Mars Defence Force. It's above him. I don't know. It sounds kind of up there with the shite that he spouts. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we, can, we can agree to disagree. And tell us, you know, prove me wrong. That's it. You can just... Uh, you can't, you can't, yeah, you can't exactly. prove it wrong. Exactly. It's bad shit crazy. And 
even after maybe you've got a drug problem <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, uh, I've been enlightened by the the world that's what I've been yeah, enlightened by it's not even the world Scott you're, you've been enlightened by one man Thing he probably is, sits, sits in his house in his pants thinking that oh I was asleep for 20 minutes there that was fight uh, I dreamt that was fighting aliens he is like convinced that because he was on, oh my god my watch I was only sleeping for 20 minutes was I sleeping or was I really fighting aliens he's probably the same man that sits in his house for 7 hours watching a fucking train <laughs> journey through Europe on Netflix well prove me wrong well <laughs> prove me wrong well if when, when my suppressed memories come back and I did travel the solar system I'll let you know I was an order boy I do not want any of my suppressed memories <laughs> to come back <laughs> my suppressed memories could be too dark for even me to handle so that, that, so, that so we'll leave you we'll that, leave you that thought that's how we'll end that one yeah. uh, as always you can get in touch with us online Facebook uh, Scotland Investors Evil there's a group and a page on Twitter at Scotland Investors on Instagram at Scotland Investors Evil and you can email us with suggestions for movies suggestions for um, episodes suggestions for whatever at Scotland Investors Evil at hotmail.com I think this summer we should go out and do one of your film ideas and we'll just fuck it for a week we just go and film it and try and make a short film yeah let's do it awesome I've just invented a new one from the other now I think it's the one we should do and we can do it as like a Scotland Invest Evil production yep I'll film it you can act since I'm a natural yeah yeah you can if there's a lot of new lessons a lot, a lot of people from Colombia are listening by the way Colombia and Mexico yeah because they know what's fucking going on down there <laughs> Well, maybe we stop listening after this episode. But come interact with us, follow the Facebook group, give us some chat. We like hearing from you. Tell Scott that you've also watched that seven hour train journey. Yeah. <laughs> you loved it. It's good. Trains are the backbone of this world. Is that is that how we're going to finish this? Trains, <laughs> trains are the backbone. Trains are the backbone of this world. Yep. Season two weeks. Bye. When you hear